Hello, friends, and welcome to the second episode of Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from its rich past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Well, my friends, as promised, today we are going to explore the history of the Kansas City Royals. Now, the story will somewhat mirror that of the Chiefs, except that the 70s and 80s, while that's a period the Chiefs fans like to forget, it's a time when the Royals did very well. In 1969, the Major League decided to expand the franchise to create more teams. Now, Kansas City had a team, the Athletics, owned by Charlie Finley, but he and Mr. Lamar did not get along, and he wasn't getting his way, so he threw a hissy fit and moved the team to Oakland in 68. Therefore, Kansas City had an opening. A local businessman, Ewing Kaufman, was like, you know what, I like baseball. I'm a millionaire. I got this. So he paid for a team, and we have the Royals. Now, Kaufman I haven't looked into like I tried to do with Lamar, but I sense that there's a lot there, so again, he will be his own episode in the future. So remember in the last episode, this Truman Sports Complex broke ground in 68. That's while Finley was still here, and he, like I said, was not getting his way, so he left. But when Kaufman took over, he, like Hunt, ended up donating some of his personal money to the construction of the stadium. He donated $7 million of his personal funds to the stadium. So while the Chiefs stadium was finished in 72, the Royal Stadium was not finished until 73, a year later. And that's okay because this stadium was actually fully complete and there was no extra um, building to do after they opened. Um, that same year, 73, they hosted the All-Star Game. It's like the pro football, or sorry, pro bowl of football. All the best players from all the teams come together and play a game. And like Arrowhead, Kaufman, from its beginning, hosts a lot of concerts and other events. The first event, um, sorry, the first concert held at Kaufman. And I should mention here that the stadium was not officially named Kaufman until after Ewing Kaufman died in 93. Before that, it was just called the Royal Stadium. Um, anyways, the first concert was the Allman Brothers in 1974. No idea who they are, don't ask, but, you know, I thought it should be mentioned. So, as I said, the Royals actually did well in the 70s and 80s. They were second in the Western Division in 71 and had multiple division titles from 76 to 78. They won the Division Crown and the AL. A.L. Pennant in 1980, and they made the World Series playoffs seven times in ten years between 75 and 85, and then in 85, they actually won the World Series. So, real quick, the A.L. Pennant, Major League Baseball, is divided into two, kind of like football. They have the American League and the National League, and the A.L. Pennant is the championship game of the American League. So, all of these wins in the 70s and 80s were due to three men. Frank White, who's first baseman, left fielder 
Hall McRae, and third baseman George Brett. They all signed with the team in 73. Well, you know, McRae left in 78, so it might be more Frank and George. Uh, they both retired in 93. Um, and again, that's the same year that Ewing died. His wife actually died a couple of months before him. And I think this is both sad and sweet. Ewing was posthumously elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2008. And after his death, the board of directors ran the team for a short time before the board president, Mr. Glass, stepped up and bought the franchise. He still owns it, but found out yesterday, in fact, that rumors have been circulating recently that he's going to sell the team. And then yesterday, I found out it's been confirmed that he is going to sell the team to a group of investors. And the lead investor is a local businessman named Sherman or Schumer, one of the two. And it's been said that he's going to sell the team due to poor health. Okay, back to the story. Who remembers the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves? Warner Brothers presents... We got a game to play. We play the world champions. Keanu Reeves. I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but that just wouldn't be our side. And Gene Hackman. You can do this now. Come on. Come on. In a comedy for everyone who wasn't good enough... Now that is a hit! ...to get in the game. As of today, you're all professional football players. I really wanted to play you the whole trailer, y'all. But I didn't know what the rule on copyright is, so that was just a small clip. For those of you who haven't seen it, I will provide a brief summary. But you need to go and watch it immediately after this episode. Or you can pause now and go watch it. I won't be offended. Just so long as you come back and finish the episode. Brief summary. Um, a fictional football team, the Washington Centennials, go on strike because they want to be paid more. We don't get paid enough. Even the coach goes on strike. So the GM, or maybe he's the owner in the movie, hires a new coach who hires a completely new team to replace, uh, replacements, get it, uh, the original players while they're on strike. The first guy that the coach picks is Shane Falco, played by Keanu. He's a washed-up QB who never made it to the pros, but the coach is convinced that he's still a great player. Then he hires a whole bunch of other players, including a prisoner who gets a special release to come and play, which is kind of funny. And, well, I won't spoil anything else for you. It's an amazing movie. You should really go see it. Anyway, I know you gotta be thinking, Laura, girl, you keep bringing up the Chiefs, and now you're talking over about this delightful football movie. This is a story about a baseball team. You need to stay on task. Don't worry. Don't worry. There is a method to my madness. I mentioned the movie as a reference point for this next episode in Royals history, The Player Strike of 1994. Alright, so here's how it went down. The MLBPA, so to spell that out, the Major League of Baseball Players Association, and multiple team owners get into it over, wait for it, uh, you guessed it, money! The... Players Association wanted their members to get paid more, and the owners didn't want that. They wanted to keep their money. The owners actually wanted a salary cap and for the players' benefits to come out of their own revenue rather than the owner's cut. It all came to a head August 11th, 1994. So, hey, you guys remember the movie Space Jam, right? I know all my 90s babies do. 
Laura, stay on task. I am. I am. Don't worry. The movie starts with Michael Jordan retiring from basketball to play pro baseball, right? Well, this happened in real life. In 1994. He played for the minors that year. So his baseball career actually tanked because of the strike. That's it. He played one year in the minors, and he never made it to the majors. Uh, the strike ended up lasting seven and a half months. It didn't end, and there's air quotes here, end, until a judge ordered it on April 21st, 1995. Baseball season, once you include the training camp, runs from February to October. And so because of the strike, there actually wasn't a World Series that year because it wasn't just, you know, a team. It was every team in 94. The first World Series was held in 1903, and there hadn't been a single World Series missed until 94. That's 90 years, guys. That's almost 100 years. The actual agreement to end the strike wasn't reached until 97, and apparently there was still some discontentment because the absolute final agreement was not reached until 2002. I'm not sure what it was, but, you know, it obviously had to deal with money. Money, money, money. It's all about money. So according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the Royals would acquire young, talented players and then trade them before they reached their peak. While I am an avid Chiefs fan and watch in most, maybe not every single game, but most games, I very rarely watch a Royals game. I love baseball. I played softball as a child, but I would rather go to a Royals game than watch it on TV. So I can't say whether or not this statement by Encyclopedia Britannica is accurate. But the 2000s, whew, early 2000s were bad. The team had 400 losses in four years from 2002 to 2006. So that was 100 in 2002. And this was the first time in a franchise history that they had lost 100 games in a year. And then... I don't know, I guess they decided that was cool because they repeated that in 2004 and 2005 with another 100 losses each year. Kauffman Stadium was renovated in 2009 for the low, low price of $250 million. The field was expanded back to its original dimensions. Um, nothing I read said when it had been changed to, you know, smaller dimensions, but it was moved back. Um, there's also this ginormous fountain that was added to the back of the field. It's absolutely beautiful, so I will definitely have photos of that up on the website and social media. They had a little bit of a revival in 2010s. They won the wild card spot in 2014 and went to the series for the first time since 85. They lost, but that's still pretty awesome. And then in 2015, they went to the World Series again, and this time they won. So if you are a sports fan, or maybe not a sports fan, you're still probably aware of that event. It was such a huge deal in Kansas City. There are amazing images of the streets of Kansas City, just awash in blue, especially surrounding Union Station the day after the Royals won. Again, photos of that are definitely going up so that you all can see them. But they went back to sucking the year after that, I'm sorry to say. Um, last season they had 104 losses. I don't know what their record currently is, but I know it's not good. That is the sad and short history of the Royals. As a quick aside, I know that some of my sound is a little bit off. 
I'm still learning the technology to record and edit, so don't come at me about that, please. You can come at me about my content, that's fine. Just be kind about the sound quality. Some of it is also because this episode has been recorded in two separate locations, and the acoustics are completely different between my old place and my new place. So basically, I just wanted to acknowledge that I know it's a little bit funny in this episode, but it will be better in future episodes, I promise. Before I say adieu, let's talk sources. I wasn't able to find very many books. I mean, there are plenty of books out there um, that talk about individual players, but the team as a whole, I wasn't able to find very much. So a lot of this I actually got off the team's website. There will be a link to that on my website. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, rate, and review me on iTunes. The more people who give me a good rating, the easier it'll be for others to find me. And quick shout out, if you are unrelated to me by blood or bonds or friendship, thank you for listening today. Please tell your friends. I want more of you to come and listen to this. You can find me online at homegrownkc.wordpress.com. My email is homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com. And I'm all over social media as homegrownkc. A thanks goes out to my sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, who created my logo. And another thanks goes out to the Dear Misses for use of their song, Kansas City, as the intro and outro music of this show. And last but not least, thank you to Libraries, who helped me do my research. Bye-bye. seem to shake this feeling and I can seem to get you off my mind.